Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My Talkers, thanks for hanging out with us on this hump day. And we've got a hump day surprise for you. This lovely and talented is in Britney Witch. Whoa. You just call me lovely and talented? talented? That's right. OMG, right. Grant. Are you in love with me? A little bit. Okay, I've been good. a fan of yours since back in the day, you're, Brittany. You're, I told you that the first day I met you, I used to listen to you on that other station. Stop. Gonna I'm going to get an ego someday, and then you guys will not be able to handle me. I recommend getting an ego yesterday. I, okay. you're the old, you are be my like ego. Be like a man yes. and get an ego. You're the only reason I have a parking pass, Lori. You're like, you are my ego. You're the reason I have a theme song. Oh, jeez. Okay, so I want to update people. Brittany and I were just talking off air, Grant, about how, for whatever reason, 2020 and 2021, there are very vivid TV memories because of the binging, the pandemic, lockdowns. Most of our memories. Uh, It's a lot of stuff. And I said, I remember what binging last year. Year last December after Christmas, Bridgerton. Oh yeah, just binged it, and then I was like so sad. What was I going to do? And then I discovered um, Bling Empire. I know, which is a reality show, and it was just and it's it about was a gift. It was like truly about very very rich Asian Americans living in Beverly Hills. Of course, the best one I can't remember her name right now, but she was the oldest one. Oh of the yeah, group. oh yeah, I'll look she, her up. she was amazing. She was everything. But um, these people are seriously rich, Grant. It's like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills on steroids. Anna Shea, Anna wow. Shea, and she's Russian and Japanese, correct? And her f- father was like a, some. Apparently, arms dealers make great deals of money. Oh, of course they Shocking. do. Shocking. <laughs> okay, so she's worth like a gajillion dollars. She was hands down my favorite character. But oh. I loved everything about that show. I also was a fan of the book. I remember when I read the book, Kevin Kwan books, Crazy Rich Asians. Yes. And like one of the first lines in the book, there's, there's, there's rich, there's uber rich, there's... Super wealthy, and then there's crazy rich Asian wealthy. That was kind of a description in yeah, the like beginning building of the up. book. And um, so I'm like, what happened? I, I got to wondering, I'm like, where's our bling empire? Well, like all, uh, you know, many other shows, it, it was delayed in filming. But uh, I guess it was getting filmed right now at Paris Fashion Week. Christine Chu. Yes. With Kevin Creeder. He's yes. never been... To Paris before, so she's taking them to fashion shows, fittings, and Michelin-starred restaurants with a film crew. And we 
She had a front row seat at the Schiparelli show. And it's this, yeah, they're just filming it for their second season. And she's showing him Paris Herway. And he's the cute guy who's the personal model, actor, model. And she's um, best friends with Kane, and Kane was actually rich, and, and Kevin was not. Not he was the only one who wasn't. And Christine Chu is one of, I think, if I'm getting my fashion facts right, mm-hmm. the customer list for Haute Couture clothing, which is custom clothing made to fit you, okay. that no one out, you know, it's yeah, made, yeah, okay. Yeah. The the Haute Couture clientele. Is about two to maybe a thousand people in in a year. It's exclusive, very exclusive. Exclusives of the exclusive. She is a regular haute couture. Her customer and goes apparently every year, twice a year to Paris for Fashion Week, and we're going to get a go. I I, I, oh, I she's die. just bringing cameras with her, and you guys are going to get a full in look. Well, on Netflix everything. is following her, and I That's mean, cool. and he's never been to Paris, so we really will. When Bling Empire comes back, we will be able to tag along because one of the things I need to. that I have that that has just been the fun way to travel in the last two years has been through a TV show, uh, call my agent. The yeah. whole thing is set in Paris. Yeah. Even Emily, Emily in Paris. In Paris yeah. Wonderful. You know, there've been shows that we've watched cause like, Oh, well we're traveling. We're somewhere. And you know, the woman who is so, so the, her je ne sais quoi, uh, She's, I think, the breakout star in Emily uh, in Paris, the boss. Oh, she's insane. Her name is Philippine Leroy Bulot. Bulot, Bulot. Um, and this... she was in Call My Agent. She was the wife of the oh, one okay. guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, she had a smaller part, but she is this, she's playing her, her age. She's 58. She is fabulous. She is sexy. She is fierce. Oh. When she's she, everything. Those and just like that, ladies are not. And when she <laughs> this last season, Ugh. she was swimming. I forget. Oh, she came out in the swimsuit. The yeah, in what is the s the city they're in? So Saint Tropez. Thank you. Mm-hmm. She comes out, and I was in a black triangle bikini. I couldn't. I was like, I'm in love with her. Yeah, like no. she is. I mean, she's beyond gorgeous, and, and but she has something that because here's what it is, Brittany, and this is the thing that makes me so mad about and just like that. And I know I've them. been been on a bitch fest about it. But you should it. be. You deserve to be. It is because I want people to know. Do not fear your fifties. You're you. Oh, you just continue to own it, and you're going to care less about other things. And it is such a wonderful time of life. And Emily in Paris, the boss, Philippine, yeah. she owns her sex appeal, who she is. She's unabashedly who she is. She is everything. It's like those writers at Just Like That Googled all the worst things that could possibly happen. And they just have given us nothing but cliched 50s crap. And I think you're right. Ugh. Because I I mean, me and Grant have talked about it. If you add up my sex life and Grant's sex life, it doesn't equal yours. We've wow. all agreed That's on true. that. Um, but also, it's like, I look at you and I'm like, oh my God, I I want to be Lori right now all the time. <laughs> yes. And so it is super fun to see. Why wouldn't I want, why would I want to look at it and go, oh, I'm, you know, the, I'm never going to do, wait, you gave your husband a blow, a blow job? job. I mean, <gasps> could you believe, I mean, it's, <gasps> like, and, and it's interesting because Darren Starr, yeah. who created Sex in the City, 
created Emily in Paris. Yeah. And he's giving us in this 58 year old woman everything, everything that we want to see that you can wear whatever you want, be what you want. You have a devil may care attitude and you're free in a way that you were not in your 20s and 30s. And they're not showing any of that. So I will continue to love and hate watch it. I don't have any high hopes for it to get any better. When is Aiden going to appear? We've had a few little moments of glory, but they got to get rid of the Che character. I don't know what the hell's happened to Miranda and Charlotte, but Samantha was right to not sign on. To this mess. She probably read es- one script. Especially for her character. Oh, I look mean. Look what they did to Steve. They don't went, even. Uh, oh, so uh, we were watching it. My please. husband claims he doesn't watch it, but he watches it with mm-hmm. me. And he'll, you know, come and go and stuff like that. And all of a sudden he was like, how old is that character? Yeah, and I was like, they he, made him be like, Grandpa Steve is 85. He's, he's a, 55. Yes, he's exactly a million so, years old. So that's doing, how old he is. It, to me, the show is ageist. Yeah, I think so. I it think it's written a, by people who've never been around a 50-year-old in their life. Uh, like, they Googled, what is a 50-year-old? They and, should have just hired all the original writers who were in their 30s, the women, yeah, and hired those women to write this season. Because Michael Patrick King is there, but Cindy Shupak and a couple of the... Those, that's, that's, that's who would have done it, because the ageism of the show is... Is really bad. Is really obvious. Oh, it's so rough. And I'm yeah. I, to it, be over the hill at fifty is just not true anymore. Well, it's also like it, all that makes Unless me you do. Don't have your health, I guess. Yeah, of course. You well, know? that happens yeah. in your twenties. Right, if you, there's right. people, you know. I was just really thinking they're going to sh- finally show yes. the fabulous bleep it fifties. Yeah, and the bluntness. The, the I don't care. It's pretty much Samantha. The fabulous. Yes, and I think there's... This, and they did her dirty in that second movie. I know. And just like that, Which, I'm going to tell you this. Mm-hmm. All it makes me do is want to go back and watch old Sex in the City. I know, same. Yeah. Same. That's and what I usually end up doing. I just... I, I don't know if they're going to give this show a second season to prove a point, but if you want to see a woman in her 50s owning it and just having the best time, please watch Emily in Paris. And while oh. you're at it, learn some conversational... Uh, French, and you'll be in Paris to boot. We, we, we. We'll be right back. Julia's random thoughts. He looks like that puppet. I don't know. He's had cheeky implants. It's just random. That's all it is. It's just random. Random. All right. All right. Are you guys? No, you're not left-handed. I'm not, but Julia is. Are you, Grant? Are you left-handed? Mm, only thing I'm left-handed in is in pool and fishing, which is weird. That is not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I love you for that. I love you for that. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. On the other hand, later grip. (laughs) The old stranger. It's a new territory. Right. Um, A whole new land. Yeah, you know what percentage of the population is? I think less than 10%. Yeah, you're better at guessing because I feel like you're everywhere. You lefties are everywhere. It's only 10 to 12%. Mm -hmm. That's wild to me. Yeah. uh, One time that came up on the show, early days. Yeah. And Donnie was left-handed, and Julia was left-handed. So the majority. Yeah. And we're like, well, that never happens. And, of course, probably Donnie did the math for us or whatever it was. Yeah. You know. The odds are percentage. Yeah. I, I get it. My <laughs> husband goes on rants all the time about his life being hard because he's left-handed, and it's... Well, if he played baseball, he'd be in demand. That's true. Left-handed pitchers are the hardest thing to come by. Yeah. A pitcher and... A lefty. And a, a lefty. Oh, and if you played behind first base is that right field right field yeah a lefty is where i got put i only really got nervous when the lefty got up that's true <laughs> and i would say to the center 
Come over here. Ooh, come, come over, over here. here. I got to tell you something. Yeah, because I always feel like the person behind. I know it's in an okay position, but like, oh. The when left. the lefty would come up, yeah, the righty, right fielder's got to worry You're a little sweating. bit. <laughs> That's funny. Um, okay, I thought this was super interesting. The Beatles were once in talks to star in Lord of the Rings movie uh, with Paul as Frodo, Ringo as Sam, George as Gandalf, and John as uh, Gollum. Oh, my God. They must have been smoking some some right? kind of hash. Right? Some good Turkish hash and like, for that idea to even... Also, that's like Lord. a long project. It's uh, not like a little like, hey, we're... we're and here, none of them know? can act, really. No, no. Yeah. Good Lord. Oh, I'm the... I'm Gollum. Yeah, no, I'm no. Gollum right no, no, now. No, no. That, 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 there was hash involved. Oh, yeah. but they, Maybe Morocco. I don't know. But they even went as far as to involve Stanley Kubrick to direct. Oh, good lord. But luckily... Really? I thought this was kind of like maybe a rumor. That's, yeah. Yeah, but luckily J.R. Tolkien, who was the author, Said was no. like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah good, right. Good. Please and thank you and never it's come back. It's better for people to read the book and have it be imagined. <laughs> right? I'm Gollum. Um, okay. <laughs> I thought this was really, and wonder. I wonder if this has to do when people say like when pigs fly, but they are pigs are are physically impossible for pigs to look straight up to the sky. The anatomy of their neck muscles and spine limits the movement of their heads, which also made me think if they don't have to deal possibly if they're too big to deal with predators coming from above because squirrels are really good at looking above and it's why they run erratically Mm -hmm. to avoid predators from above. Oh. I, so, I thought it was to avoid cars. No, no. <laughs> They're still working on evolving past that. Right, trust me. Right. Rest in peace, Eden Prairie Squirrel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, I was. I wonder, because you know, when pigs fly, if that has something to do with it. But um, Where did that scene come mm-hmm. from? That's a bad follow-up question. Yeah, you know, that's cute, though. You notice when, when pigs are kind of like snorting mm-hmm. up a little bit, you know, they, they can't lift their neck very yeah, high. That they makes can. sense. They yeah. can, now you can see that they can't look straight up. Also, yeah. the sign of a very intelligent dog is when they understand planes of... You know, different spots. So, like, we do scent classes with my dog, Robot. And it's really... Wait, your dog's name is Robot? Yes. And it's a woman. I'd always like to it's clarify. Okay. Yeah. Because I feel like everybody is really sexist about the name Robot. It, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting dog name, and you can go ahead and Hollywood speak that. I was going to um, say Hollywood. I, I don't know any other way to describe that name for a dog, because how do you call it, Robotty or Robot Ro Ro Ro? She's a hound dog. Okay, okay. Yeah, all right. But you can tell it, it, they're intelligent. Like you have to build up to that. Is so to hide sense in different planes or you know vertical planes, um, because it's really hard for them to understand beyond. Their own plane. So if you have a dog that like recognizes a fan and looks at it, like that's probably a very intelligent dog. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I thought you needed. And and you notice this with uh, babies having been around the little seven month old boy at over the holiday. Oh my God, that kid loves just looking up at late. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. 
Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Right. And that's another fun thing, too. Just looking and then they look back down and then they can't believe it. They look back up and there's, you know tracking and oh yeah and then there's another thing too i I can't remember what year it is it's definitely up to year one it could be up to year two but object permanence is a big thing with babies and it's the idea of everything i see is everything that exists Mm -hmm. and that's the whole idea behind peekaboo because it's like holy she's gone right holy that's why they get such a good yeah that's why it's like wow yeah um also i found out in um a class i'm in is that for all, I think it is up to the first year, babies identify as the people that are with them. So, like, they look at the world as, like, I am also my mother. Like, you're all one. Yes. And so they actually often, in the first few months of being born, they don't have that stranger danger because it's just, like, everything is an extension of themselves. Oh, wow. I don't Look know. That. I don't know if this is helped. Now I'm kind of going on rants about. Well, I like it. Oh, I, I, cool. I, but to me, that's not like a rant. Yeah. I, I would just call that a just a, a good rambling segue. Thank you. Yeah. I'll take a good. I mean, I'm trying to do uh, Julia justice here. Yeah. Um, okay. So perfumes, you know how a lot of times they're near the door? Well, a lot of that was because originally they're put near the door in the department stores to cover up the smell of horse manure and oh, cars sure. off from the street. Of so it's course. like it's like a perfume buffer zone. Yeah. So now they're cool. still out of just like pure in tradition. The handful of department stores that are left. I know, right? Yeah, that was one a good moment, and just like that, when they had a moment. Remember the Barneys? Yes, yes. The annual fashion sale. I know, right? Oh, for more of those references. I'd have to say we are lucky, so because a lot of times. If you want to go to a mall, you can still get a mall experience at Mall of America. Oh, for sure. And I love Rosedale, and I love Southdale. Yeah, and, uh, yeah no, Ridgedale's I... Ridgedale's a good mall, too. Huh? Ridgedale. And like, Ridgedale's, Ridgedale's a great, a good mall. Great. I, I really have never met a mall I didn't like. Me neither. I but I will True. say, like, some of them miss some of the mass the, occupants. Uh, uh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Eden yes. Prairie is a very, very quiet mall. Let me tell you about that. Oh. I think there's a... Like a a, um, a paintball place in there now. I don't know, yeah. but either way, we're working on it. All right, good. Get going, Thank you. <laughs> All right, what's are we getting going on the roads? Yeah, there's a little bit of traffic. Hey, everybody! Thanks for hanging out with us. It is time for the Lori and Julia Book Club, and we could not be more delighted. We have Carrie. Uh, is it? How do I say your last name? Mar. Mayor. 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 Okay, Carrie Mayer is with us, and maybe you read uh, her book, The Kennedy Debutante, but we've just uh, finished reading, um, and I was able to bring it on a beach vacation and read it from a beach chair, the Paris Bookseller, which was just lovely, lovely company. So thank you, and congratulations on writing a, a terrific story. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you for taking it with you on vacation. Were you temporarily transported to Paris from your beach? Yes, and, and yes, and both Julie and I are fans of historical fiction, but really and truly through the pandemic, I have really, we've loved, like, Call My Agent, Emily in Paris, anything based in Paris, and also, you know, have been lucky enough to travel there, so... And on my last trip to Paris in, in 2019, I remember I, I was like, I got to go to Shakespeare and Company, the bookstore. I can't believe I've never gone there. And all my trips, I never, it's right across from Notre Dame. And I was absolutely enchanted. 
Yes, yes. It's really an amazing location. I was also there in 2019. I was there in August. Maybe we, we saw each other. I was there in September. And, you know, they have all these wonderful walking tours and stuff. So I want to yes. know how, because you, you've, you, you know, this is not your first book, but this book is really a love letter. Uh, if I can quote Kate Quinn, who's a friend of our show, a love letter to books, bookstores, and book lovers everywhere. It's so true. But, um, before, I don't know what you want to give us first, the setup of the story or how you were inspired to write the story. Well, let me give you the setup. Okay. Because I think not everyone, even people who are familiar with Shakespeare and Company bookstore in Paris might not be familiar with the story that um, is, is in my book. Okay. Long story short. So it begins in 1917 when an American named Sylvia Beach finds herself in Paris at the end of the First World War. Um, and she, she, she stumbles into a French language bookstore and lending library run by a French woman named Adrienne Monnier. And so, and Sylvia just absolutely falls in love with this store. Um, and is inspired to open her own bookstore, um, an English language bookstore and lending library that she calls Shakespeare and Company. And she opens it in 1919. And it quickly becomes the home of the lost generation writers. You know, all those famous writers, you know, from the 20s and 30s, um, Ernest Hemingway, Gertrude Stein, Ezra Pound, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. They were all regulars of hers. They, her shop would be one of their very first uh, stops in Paris. And as if that wasn't enough, she also published the very first edition of James Joyce's novel Ulysses in 1922 after it had been banned in a big obscenity trial in New York. Yeah, which I never knew that story. Right. Not a lot of people do. It is such an interesting story, you know, like the the... The novel is being serialized in Britain and in America in these two avant-garde literary journals. And in New York, it's being serialized by The Little Review, which is published by two women, Jane Heap and Margaret Anderson. And they're finally um, arrested for publishing what is uh, reputed and rumored to be obscene material. And um, they are the they are actually the two people who stand trial for serializing Ulysses, and they are the ones who are are condemned for publishing quote obscenity. Um, but as a result, Ulysses becomes a banned book. Mm-hmm. And and Sylvia Beach is she decides she will publish the book, and that really is true. Yes, all of that really did happen. You know, Sylvia um, and her, you know, cadre of very progressive avant-garde thinkers in Paris um, really saw that Ulysses was far from obscene. It was great art, and mm-hmm. it was art that was going to change literature, as we know now, 100 years later, that it did. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we're coming up on the centennial of her edition of Ulysses, the two very first um, editions came off the press in Dijon and appeared in her store on February 2nd of 1922. It's just, it it really is uh, an amazing book. And I I love so much what you said, your author's note at the end of the book, where you, you know, thanked bookstore owners and people who are readers. And I I just, it was, it was a lovely acknowledgement. I like that, that, you know, you, you did that because we feel that way here on our show about, authors, books, and bookstores. It's so, you know, it's so true. And, you know, I think, I mean, I'm grateful to them always. But, you know, particularly during the pandemic, 
um, you know, book selling and book buying and book reading had to really change. Mm-hmm. And independent bookstores really like nimbly um, changed with the time that we were in. You know, they moved all their events and book clubs and buying and selling online. Um, and they really did write by writers and yeah. readers. Yeah. How, okay. So then you're, so all of this, you know, I really did not know. Um, I just knew of this famous American bookstore, Shakespeare and Company, and I was on a walk, you know, just, I, that's all I knew. So the book immediately engages you. How did you come about, you know, because you've been inspired, you've done historical fiction. What was the story that you came across that made you decide to, you know, run away with this wonderful story? So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I've actually been carrying Sylvia's story around in, inside of me for my entire adult life. I, when I was an undergraduate in college, I was obsessed with the 1920s. I took all the classes I could during that period. And I was especially interested in the expats of um, the 1920s who lived in Paris. Um, and, you know, those great, you know, bargain book bins in front of college bookstores. Yes. <laughs> you know, I was uh-huh. rummaging around in one of those one day and found Sylvia's own memoir, um, and I read the back and it, I saw that it was about Paris in the 20s and I thought sold, um, brought it home, read it. And, you know, I was just totally entranced by her story, you know, all, for all the reasons I've already mentioned, yeah. you know, the incredible famous writers publishing Ulysses. But, you know, I was 20 years old. I kind of filed it away under good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward 20 plus years. And you know, as you said, I've written two other historical novels. And I really quickly honed in on Sylvia for a third subject. And I was so grateful that my publisher thought it was a great idea, too. Um, but, you know, it's funny. It's, it's sort of surprising that it took me so long to realize she deserved her own novel. Um, but in some ways, I'm glad because I think that if I had tried to, you know, um, write about Ernest Hemingway and, and James Joyce in my first try at historical fiction, that might have just been too intimidating. Oh, I would say. I would say, I mean, how much research did you do for this book? Because it doesn't, I mean, in, in all the ways that, and we're talking with uh, Carrie Marr in the book is the Paris bookseller, but it is not at all, you know, sometimes people say, oh, is that going to be a dusty book? Is that going to be, you know, hard to read? But it it just, you're, I don't know, the, the imagine, I can't tell, I, I believe everything that you've written. I mean, to me, this is almost like every word in this thing is, is true. And it makes me, it made me happy. Also happy about how, uh, people who were gay, uh, whether you're man or woman in Paris, like it was, it was, it was this time of this banned book and oh, scatological and oh, this is all bad. But yet in Paris, you know, people are able, there's an openness that, later becomes, you know, not as available or becomes oppression then later. Yes, all of that's true. You know, so Sylvia not only falls in love with Adrienne's store, she falls in love with Adrienne, and they have a a relationship for the better part of two decades um, that that is sort of a business partnership, but it's also a romantic partnership. Um, And yeah, that was also really interesting to me. She Sylvia doesn't write very much about Adrienne in her own memoir, and I, mm-hmm. I kind of think that's because Sylvia wrote her own memoir in the 50s when times were really different yeah. um, than they were in the 1920s. And that was something that was very illuminating in my research. And so you, so you asked me about, you know, the research mm-hmm. that I did. So, 
you know, this is actually a struggle for me in this book because, of course, I'm writing about a very famous time and place and people. And so I could have, you know, researched this book for a decade right. in a word. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I do have a select bibliography at the okay. back of the book. Um, but, you know, I so I read, but just to sort of summarize, I read, um, I revisited some books that I had already read, including, of course, her memoir and Ernest Hemingway's Immovable Feast. Mm-hmm. And then I read um, a, a solid number of nonfiction books about Sylvia Beach, about Paris in the 20s, about the trial um, both of the trials that Ulysses went through in the American court systems, because I had a lot to learn. Yeah, um, about all of that stuff. Yeah, it was um, as soon as I got back from Mexico, I was like, you know, googling. Um, like I just was like Ulysses. I always think of that book, James Joyce. I was like, I always said, oh, that came out to instant acclaim, or you know, whatever. I had no idea yeah. uh, the you know the struggle to get that that published and everything. Yeah, it was it was really I mean, she took, you know, an enormous personal and financial risk to publish that book. And, you know, she really did change literature mm-hmm. by doing that. And and that the bookstore is what is it only? Is it the second so, owner? Yeah. So. So, yeah. So this, the current Shakespeare and Company in Paris is a wonderful, magical place. It is, but it is not the original, nor is it nor is it. um connected to the original. Mm-hmm. The current Shakespeare and Company in Paris, which, as you said, is beautifully set right right across the Seine from Notre Dame, mm-hmm. um, has been in that location since 1951. Okay. And it was originally um, called Le Mistral, and it was opened by another book-selling American named George Whitman. And he, George rechristened the store Shakespeare and Company in 1964 after Sylvia had passed away. Sylvia had actually closed her Shakespeare and Company okay. in 1941 during the Nazi occupation. Oh, okay. Um, and she never reopened, but she was a regular at George's store um, in the 50s. And so he rechristened Shakespeare and Company in the 60s. And, um, and and it has you know I really encourage readers to like go you can go visit their website yeah it's a great history um, that they are open with and it's really also a tribute to Sylvia's original store um, they have all kinds of history about Sylvia's store and ephemera you know regarding regarding Sylvia's store so yeah um, it's a it's a it's an amazing place yeah well you're an amazing writer and now I I want to read the Kennedy debutante because that I just feel like I would gobble that one up too, but it was really uh, fun to read the Paris bookseller, uh, you know, on a vacation. It just was a wonderful book to just escape with, I guess. I We really Thank enjoyed so it. so much. Yeah. Is this getting, so, did you sell it? Is anyone going to make it into a, a series or a movie or? Oh, you know, who knows? Who knows? I mean, my, you know, a writer's fingers are always crossed for such things. Well, you you keep writing, and honestly, uh, Carrie, we, like Fiona Davis, Kate Quinn, we, we love our uh, historical fiction, and people who like our book club, uh, you know, can they, they know they can count on us to have really good stories, and you, you've really given us just a wonderful, wonderful story with the Paris bookseller. Thank you again. I love Fiona and Kate, too. Oh, good, good. And what was the last great book you uh, read? 
Oh my gosh, I've been reading. I'm actually, I'm listening. I'm a huge audiobook person. I'm listening to Mrs. Everything by Jennifer Weiner right now, and it's ter- it's terrific. Yes, we've we had her on, I think, for that book, and yes, that was a good book. Thank you, Carrie, so much. We're gonna keep paying attention to everything that you're writing and keep writing, All of right. course. Thank right. you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Again, the Paris Bookseller, we've got a couple copies. Grant to give away, 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. What is the meaning of this? Get in here, Brittany. Oh, you got the dots. You found the dots. Oh, yeah. Do you like how Julia and I do that? We doll about the dots, and then we always like, we staple them back up so they don't get stale. <laughs> okay. Oh, they're so good. Okay, so let's Hollywood... Speak this. Okay, this is kind of good and good and uh, just it made me laugh. Um, Martha Stewart. Um, this is, I. I don't. This was a couple weeks ago. Um, Reese Witherspoon. A couple weeks ago, did an obviously paid Insta about cryptocurrency, which has crashed by the way yeah and then she also did uh you know this cryptic thing about how she's trying to drink a big glass of water first thing in the morning and stand outside for 10 minutes of sunshine and drink more tea and be in bed by 10 or something <laughs> like that you know okay real cool real great neat you know? so ina garden guard is it garden yeah ina garden had said commented and said I wish I could say I would use these coping things, but I recommend um, staying up late and binging bad things on Netflix, <laughs> drinking a lot of Cosmo. Yeah. You know, kind of a tongue-in-cheek, Blam. kind of a funny thing. Martha Stewart, and this is from People Magazine, and Page Six calls her the convicted felon, which I guess technically is correct. Yeah, but it seems... She was asked about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About Inus comment she yeah. said i do not agree about taking to drink to cope with things like the pandemic to me that's not charming okay okay bristly much okay okay you little robot you like hello hello and then later in the story what i find out she's launching a wine okay so we were it's just Ugh. So confusing, Martha. Martha, Martha, what are you doing? Marty, what is going on with you? I gotta say, Martha at 80 is age goals for those and just like that I actors. I know. I yeah. mean, she looks amazing, but she is got coming out with Martha's shard. Um and 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 but I just thought, okay, she's like, well, but then she's also like, don't use alcohol to cope. Um, but also, will you buy this, please? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Martha, also, Martha, you know Martha. what? Do whatever you need to cope. It was a pandemic, all right? Yeah, yeah. and I, you know, and really, Reese's. There were a lot of people that were kind of making fun of her, absolutely, for that you know thing. It was just like. You know what I get so annoyed? The first thing to everything, every solution. Like I just did this big thing, this report on menopause, and I, you know, you keep read whatever. Everything always starts with diet and exercise. We get it. You, I know I should do diet and exercise. I know it. We all know it. If you have a headache, diet and exercise. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. Like you know because what? Because there's a lot of stuff that has to do with 
hormones. Yeah, I know. And getting a blood test and getting that figured out. And that's always the last thing to get tested but, unless you're super assertive. But yourself. Lori, have you tried diet and exercise? No. Have you tried staring <laughs> in the sun for 20 minutes like no. Reese Witherspoon yeah. and burning your retinas? Yeah. Like, but also diet and exercise. Shut up. Uh, shut up. I know. Okay, here's another one. Um, let's see. This was on Jimmy Fallon uh, the other night. Um, uh, Kathy Hilton was on and love. Jimmy. Love her. And she up. will be back, friend of, for Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Not a, not holding a diamond? Well, in, I, I think even if she does hold a diamond, it'll actually just be in... I don't think she wants to hold a diamond. I don't she think she wants to. She doesn't work that much. But I also think it'll only be in name placeholder, because I don't think she's going to give full access okay. like the other girls Yeah. Do. Well, during an appearance, Jimmy Fallon asked Kathy about... Uh, Paris's wedding. Yeah. You know, she had a documentary. I never Absolutely. did, you know, the reality show. And the conversation started with um, Paris, because revealing, I think they must have been on together, that her mom called her fiance the octopus and a groomzilla during the whole of the wedding. And then Kathy piped in and said, well, he called the cake place, he called the band, he called the party planner, the hotels, and I just said to him, this is not normal. You need to back out. Dang! You don't find too many groomzillas. Let's be honest. I, I, It's so rare. It doesn't even come off the tongue well. No, it doesn't. <laughs> um... And you know what I we would have. But then she said he's you know everything's fine. But yeah. Kathy and I get that impression from watching that show. She said it. She loves planning parties. She's a fluffer. She seems yeah. like she would like to get invited to and a they, Kathy Hilton party or dinner. To me, would be probably is not. I, you're going to meet a more interesting range of people, but it would also be fun to be invited to Chris Jenner any. Party. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, thank God, because for what I watched about the reality show, which was by no means, I would say that I enthralling. Didn't watch it. I watched a couple episodes, but it was so edited by Paris that yeah. you could just tell. tell. Um, but thank God that Kathy does all that because Paris literally doesn't want to do any of the planning. That's true. Okay, this is a really good, 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 good Ooh, story. Give me, give me, give me. So, uh, Kanye, you know, he's been giving interviews in these yes. big 90s padded jean jackets yeah. and his rubber wellies all over the place and he had this to say about pete davidson his bad style and he wears clothes mostly from the mall (laughs) (laughs) i'm like burn burn? is that that a burn is that a burn most of us buy stuff from the mall i mean your stuff is sold in the mall kanye Kanye, i know it i totally totally though i bet it bugs oh, Kanye sure. so much that Pete Davidson is just this regular dude. Yeah. You know, he's skinny. Oh, yeah. He's this. He doesn't have any style. And and then there's Kanye giving his new girlfriend, you know, black swan eye makeup. Apparently, he's doing that black eye thing. I mean, I for his sake, I wish he would give up the idea that he is a... Fashion genius. Oh, I know. And he, he is not a fashion also, genius. Maybe can we he can normalize. Sell stuff? Yeah, can we just normalize not having to dress your significant other to that extent that he yeah, has? It's like weird. a doll. It's, it's weird. weird. It's weird. You know what? I take my let my husband. Well, I think once a year I ask him to wear something. That's Otherwise, it. it's Where his, his, his hoodie want? and his sweatpants. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. There you go.
You wear clothes from the mall. Ooh. <laughs> Come on, Kanye. True. 